Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 468, which are three even numbers in a row, sweetie. That's good. 468. So glad. So it's almost like 2468, but, but there's not. no two. Right. Um, and this is a special Friday podcast because we have uh, a very special guest. And I always say that our guests are special, but this one actually is extra special, isn't isn't it, sweet? How about all of our guests have been special, but this is a really special moment for this special guest. Remember that part in uh, My Blue Heaven where he goes, it's dangerous for you to be in the frozen food section. Because you melt all the stuff. Because you could melt all this stuff. And then he says, my name's Todd. It's Italian for extra special <laughs> that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today so we did uh, a podcast featuring a friend of mine and his name is josh st pierre josh say hello to all the people out there hello um and i'm trying to pull up what the podcast number was but i'm too lazy to look it up right now but it'll be in the show notes so we did a podcast this summer right june june um and josh has been in my life for i don't know how long any idea at least three years. Three or four years. I think you found us through the Tribe Men's Group. Yes, I did. Uh, reached out. We've coached together. I, I've I've coached you as a life coach. You've been a, an incredible teacher of mine. You've been on our retreats for the men's group. And um, Josh, I'm going to let you tell the story. Why did I invite you to be on the podcast this summer? Well, um, I guess when you met me, and the reason I even came to the Tribe Men's Group is, you know, I... I uh, had lost uh, kidney function uh, about 13 years ago and was on dialysis for a number of years um, before uh, my sister finally gave me uh, her kidney. Uh, it was about six years later. And then uh, that lasted about three years. And then I went back into dialysis. I went to the kidney failure. And so, you know, I came to the tribe men's group because, uh, you know, trying to deal with uh, those kind of thoughts and issues and stuff like that. But uh yeah, that was a big part of my life and dealing with that, the physical, the emotional, all that kind of stuff. So, One of the intentions of the um, podcast was to raise awareness for donating organs. Yes. Because at the time, um, you had been, after your kidney failed with your sister, how many years had it been until like now? How, how many years in this last run of dialysis? Four. Four years, and um, you were waiting for a match. And yes. there's two different types of matches, correct? There's uh, living organs and non-living organs. Well, living donor, living yeah. donor, and uh, like, and then somebody who dies, yeah, cadaver can can, do can donate, but those are not as as valuable. Is that correct? Well, uh, the living donor is just uh, a living donor. The kidney lasts uh, quite a bit longer okay. usually. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a question. Dialysis, and I, I think you told us this in June, but tell us again, how often did you do dialysis? Like how much of your life was taken up with doing dialysis? Um, well, it's done three days a week. Three days a week. And then for me, I mean, it, some, some people have different run times, but I had to run four hours every time. So 12 hours a week. And, and I, and probably in your experience, especially because you did that for four years, that became a part of your routine. But I, I remember thinking about that when we talked about it, because Todd, imagine if three days a week or four days a week or whatever, for four hours, we mm -hmm. had to do dialysis with one of our children or, or one of us. Right. That's a really significant part of your life. It's a good mm -hmm. chunk of time. And yeah. isn't it also draining? It can be. Yeah. Um, yeah, it can be. Again, 
you know, this is, I think what we talked about a little bit is I, I went into it. Uh, I guess I've done this the last 13 years to where I've kind of went into it more of a, as a battle for me, you know, mentally, you know, make sure, you know, nutritionally and physically, and you know, I'm, I'm ready to do all that kind of stuff. And uh, so, you know, I would even exercise sometimes after dialysis and stuff. I'm not saying it was the smartest thing that I always did, but that was just kind of how I went at it. So, yeah. um, um, so real quick, so we're only four minutes into this podcast. So the reason we're having Josh back on is because we have wonderful news that we're going to share. We're going to kind of give you a step-by-step of what has happened in the last week, but I'll let the cat out of the bag. You received a kidney on Tuesday morning. I did, yes. Okay. Um, if, if you're interested in hearing kind of the, the background of Josh's story, I found the podcast that we did. It was on June 19th. It's zenparentingradio.com slash 441. And we actually titled it. Remember what we titled it, sweetie? Uh, the question I asked Josh when we were ending is, why do we have two kidneys? And Josh's answer was, do you remember what you said? <laughs> to be able to give uh, one to somebody who needs it. Yeah, yeah, to give one away. And we were yeah. mad because we stopped recording. That would have been a great... <laughs> thing to say on the podcast. So instead we titled that. Yeah. So if you're interested in hearing uh, the interview that we did with Josh uh, that explains how all the pieces kind of came together and how he got to where he was and, and the importance of uh, donating organs and things like that, please listen. But um, now I kind of want to fast forward to Sunday, Sunday morning. Yeah. You woke up. Yes. And, and real quick, sorry, you have said to me, you're, you're an inspiration, but to say that this has not sometimes gotten the best of you would also be a lie. There's times when you feel like crap physically, emotionally. And and I shared on the podcast when we were at the tribe retreat, when we were kind of sharing our vulnerabilities, you said something like, you know, there's no reason for me to have a retirement plan because I'm not going to be around, which is really hard for me, words for me to utter other than the fact that I've been talking to you a lot about it. And so, um, so those are some of the thoughts. That doesn't mean that's who you were, but those are some of the thoughts that have run through your mind. Okay. So Sunday morning, you wake up. What's going on Sunday morning? Uh, actually, just a very, uh, very low-key Sunday morning. Just got up, walked, walked my dog, watched football most of the day. And uh, this wasn't until later in the evening, actually, until about, it was actually 5 o'clock at night. Um, I got a call. Uh, and I just come in t- inside from walking from walking Sammy, and I noticed the number right away because the, there's uh, when it calls it, I, there's always a three one two number and the only three one two number I ever get is from Northwestern Hospital and I get it occasionally every now and then, and if, you know he uh, introduces himself as uh, such and such from Northwestern Hospital and and he says hey we I think we might have a match for you basically. And I'll be honest, I wasn't really like excited because I've gotten this call a few other times over the past few years. And, you know, um, they kind of give you the basics like this is what could happen. You know, it wasn't a a for sure or anything like that. So he starts running through some of the specifics of, you know, about the donor and stuff. But then he said something that I think really got me excited because he said, um, well, just a quick background. Finding a match for me was going to be incredibly difficult. Uh, one, because I've had a kidney transplant before, so I have a built-up of antigens and all these kind of things. But to find a match with my blood type and all these other things and with all the other different factors, they said it was literally going to be like finding a needle on a haystack. Wow. So, you know, I've, I've had it in my mind to be very patient with this. But he had said to me, he goes, we have found the jackpot for you. Mm. This is a perfect match. Mm. And so that's what really got me excited but again, the, at the time, the, the, the person hadn't passed away yet. So there was a few other hurdles and obstacles to get over. 
but it was supposed to be happening soon and that we could be going into surgery as possibly as tomorrow morning at like seven. So I had to go into kind of stealth mode and plan mode, uh, obviously called my parents right away just to let them know. Cause as soon as they knew for sure they were driving down and they live out in South Dakota. So it was going to be a 13 hour drive for them. Uh, had to find a way to, uh, find a place for Sammy for a couple of days. Who's Sammy? Sammy's my dog. Okay. Love of my life. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, I just had to let uh, a few people, really close people in my life, like yourself, even Todd, to, to let you know what's going on and to let them know, even my bosses at my work, uh, at my soccer clubs, you know, who are just amazing. Just, I just said, look, this is what I got. I got this call. This is what's going to happen. It's not for sure yet, but I just want to let you know in case tomorrow gets way too chaotic for me to be able to call everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then it was kind of a waiting game at that point because uh, I actually got a call, two more calls during that night just to kind of give me an update on what, on the, what was going on and stuff. And again, um, the two other people I talked to that night, including one of the doctors, said again, this is the jackpot. Uh, I don't, we found like the absolute perfect match for you. Mm-hmm. Everything lines up perfectly. So, um, but again, it still wasn't a done deal. They were supposed to call me the next day about seven to nine in the morning. And again, I'm on pins and needles sitting at dialysis waiting for this call. And uh, eventually the call didn't come until about five o'clock. Right. Did they tell you why they couldn't say for certain it wasn't a jackpot yet? Well, the, the kidney was a jackpot. The, the, the person, uh, this person was, I, they, they didn't tell me what, what her condition was or anything like that. Uh, she was going to pass away. And this lady's in California. And there's a, there's a possibility that once, and I'm, I'm not going to have all the specifics here, but uh, if she passes away and she's brain dead, then they can't use the kidney, I believe is what they told me. So they had to wait to, to see when she passes if everything was going to work yet. So again, there was, there was still this hurdle. And so while I waited until five o'clock that night, doubt started to creep in my head. Like the longer this goes, mm-hmm. it seems like the... the the, le- the 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 worst outcome could come true. And your, but I, your understanding of if her if she's brain dead, then the brain stops sending message or blood, blood yeah. to that kidney, which renders it useless. Yeah, and again, that's my understanding. I could yeah, be completely you, wrong. But, okay. Um, but uh, so during this time, I'm waiting and waiting, and I'm starting. To, I, I'm not going to say I lost hope by any means. I just those doubts kind of crept in every now and then. But then. The fi- at five o'clock, uh, again, the number came on the phone and I knew who it was. And so, I don't what, know. so when the phone rang, <laughs> I know yeah. I'm thinking I would be so nervous. Like, is this like, do you know that this is probably one of the bigger phone calls you'll ever get? This was the it. biggest. Yeah, this, this was it. I mean, this, like good or bad, like you've never yeah, had no, your exactly. hopes this high. No, nope. just for them to be demolished. No. Okay. <laughs> but I picked up the phone and I just said, tell me the good news. Wow. And she goes, you're right, Josh. We want to give this kidney to you. Oh, oh my God. So great. And, you know, I, I try to keep it in so much, and I have kept it in so much, that for the next 30 seconds, that, that, that wave of relief just went over me so quickly, I could not talk for 30 seconds. Mm. And she's like, are you there? Are you there? <laughs> and I just, and I could not talk. And I was like, yeah, I'm ready to do this. Were you, were tears coming? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and sorry to get... No, specific, please. But no, no. Uh, I've known Josh for three or four years. He holds on really freaking tight. 
because he has to. I that's, was going to say, that's a vehicle you, yeah. of his survival. Yeah, because survival. if he opens himself up, yeah. and I'm speaking for you, but yeah. from my perspective, I've I've been on men's retreats with him, and there's a lot of guys sharing a lot of vulnerabilities, and Josh does his best to be vulnerable, but um, I have not seen a whole lot of just sheer surrender, surrender, mm-hmm. expression happiness, sadness, whatever it is. So when you told me that story, I was so glad because it is not something that you let happen yeah. enough. Well, again, I think I think just hearing that, it was that that everything that I have worked for and wanted and, you know, have, have, uh, have prayed for, and it just finally happened. And I think it was just, just that relief. Relief. And, you know, just, I just couldn't yeah. control it anymore. Did it feel Good to let great. that go. Felt great. Because <laughs> some people would cry for days. You cried for 30 seconds. And there's no judgment no. here. But but then you're like, okay, let's get this done. Yeah. Right? Well, he's not done yet. I know. He needed to let go. Like, Todd wants everyone to just... <laughs> it's because Todd wants to cry. You right. Know this. Yes. Um, but I, the thing I said, because we kind of talked about doing this show on Tuesday, and the thing I said to Todd that just blows my mind about this story is, like, Sunday, you're watching football, walking your dog, and it's just a regular day. And mm-hmm. you're like, I'm doing the thing I do. I have dialysis in the morning. You know, there's... And then all of a sudden your life changes like that. Mm-hmm. And that is, and that can be, that happens to people all the time where their life changes, again, like that negatively or positively. But this was one of those moments that, I mean, it's going to be ingrained in your brain forever. These three, you know, I don't know mm-hmm. how, how much the next two weeks, but what was that like? <laughs> like, what, what do you like now in hindsight look back and go, wow, like Sunday, nothing. Yeah, is it surreal? Yeah. Or is it like? Yeah, like, where are you? Or is it not surreal? (laughs) I don't think it was really surreal. Uh, Again, uh, I'll explain this a little bit later, but I have so many positive influences in my life that I knew this was going to happen. Yes. I just didn't know when. Right. You know, so it wasn't like, you know, I've completely just given up on this and all of a sudden out of nowhere this, this great gift comes. You know, I, as you know, Todd, I prepare for this every day, mm-hmm. you know, how I eat, uh, being physically, uh, f- physically ready. I'm, I'm just ready to do this. Yeah. Yes. So I was relieved and all that. I, I wouldn't say it was surreal. I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't know when, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, when it came, it was just. So I was honored with uh, you asking me to take you to the hospital that night. So I had a meeting and then I, we showed up and it was kind of weird because I'm like, I'm going to show up early just so we could hang out. And we watched this insane Monday night football game between right. the Rams and the Chiefs. It was yes. like 54 to 51. And we're like, oh my God, like this is just a nut, nutty game. So we left for the hospital about 11 o'clock because the insurance, it was better to arrive at midnight so it wouldn't be an extra day. Right. And it was weird because, you know, all ERs at Northwest, all ERs are always busy. And there's like a ton of people in there. I'm like, oh, we're going to have to wait a long time. And you're like, Josh, see you, Pierre. And they like gave you the red carpet treatment. And they <laughs> said, come they with did. me. And and I didn't still know, like, he hasn't even had the surgery yet. He still doesn't have any functioning kidneys. Like nothing is done. But a few of the times the people said congratulations. And for me, that's when it started sinking in like, oh my God, like this is going to happen. And these people that he's never met are congratulating him. Because they know how it's going to go. Because they know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you took to that at all, but I was like, oh my gosh. I was, <laughs> I mean, I heard it. It was more like a periphery thing. Yeah. I mean, I, 
you know, it's kind of one of the things you hear but just don't really react to. I uh, I was just so in business in mode. Biz well, exactly. I was in business mode. I knew, you know, I knew I'd been through this process before. So, you know, I was getting ready for, okay, this is going to come and then this. And, you know, I'm just kind of ready to go through the process and start yeah. getting all these things done. And so, yeah, I'm in business mode. I, I heard it and I didn't really react to it. Yeah. So... Yeah. And I was just trying to follow your lead, but I was like, wanted to jump and like start screaming, but I followed your lead. So we were, we were in business mode. So, um, so I spent, and this might be a little weird and, it, and we can cut it out if it's too weird, but a few of the nurses said, can you produce any urine? And you're like, no. And then they would ask again, like, can you produce any urine at all? And you're like, no. And I'm like, oh my God, Josh doesn't pee. Is that like, you never peed? No. And That's this, what dialysis is for. And this is my ignorance on what kidneys do and how it all works. Like, I can't imagine somebody not peeing, but the, the only way that you get rid of any toxicity that we all need to get rid of in our body is through dialysis. And I was just like, oh my God, this is just, like my mind was blown. Like, oh my God, mm -hmm. this human being doesn't pee. Mm -hmm. And it was just nuts. Mm -hmm. And you see how much a life is going to change. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyways, so I, I bailed on you at about whatever, one or two in the morning Surgery was first thing Tuesday morning. About 6.30. Did you sleep at all that night? Because we haven't talked about this yet. Well, Todd, if you've ever been in a hospital anyways, <laughs> you know you you're not going to sleep. But you know, they, they, had, uh, they had to do uh, – I had like an hour and a half where I had a chance to sleep. But, you know, they're putting in IVs. They're doing ultrasounds. They're doing – I mean, they're doing a bunch of different tests to get you worked up for that because mm -hmm. they want to find out where they're going to place the kidney. They, you know, so they're wheeling you in and out. They're, mm -hmm. You know, they're just – no. I, I don't think I slept probably for the next couple of days, really. Yeah. So. Well, and it's funny. You even own the fact she was going to put the IV in you, and you're like, no, put it here. Like, I could just tell that you're a pro at hospitals. You're, like, dictating where your IV is going to go. Yeah. And I thought that that was like, wow, I, I, I don't know your world. I think that was just my evidence that, like, I have no idea what this man's been through. Yeah. She did a good job on the IV, though, didn't she? She did fantastic on the IV. The IV, I mean, you're always nervous about which nurse you're going to get. Some are going to poke and prod for like three or four times oh. trying to get it and trying to, you know, I, the first stick never bothers me. Yeah. It's the second and the third and they're digging and, and then you're just like, oh, this, is, <laughs> this has gone bad. Okay. So, so you wake up or you barely wake up because you weren't sleeping and they're like, okay, here we go. So you're going, you're getting wheeled in. How are you feeling? You know, this was kind of a funny moment for me because, again, um, and I've had a few people ask me this question. I was so ready for this. I, you know, I've mentally prepared everything. You know, I've been through the process. Uh, I knew it was going to happen. And I was really, really calm. And there was actually a moment when the they're actually they're kind of wheeling, into, wheeling me into the, uh, to the operating room, putting me on the table, and the nurse... Uh, you know, she's asking me all these questions and she goes, you know what's happening? I go, yeah, it's a kidney transplant, et cetera, et cetera. She goes, are you sure you know what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and I go, yeah. She goes, uh, you seem so calm. I said, I've been waiting for this. I've been through this. I'm just ready to get this done. She goes, she just kind of looked at me, shake their head. She goes, all right, well, have a good, good time. I'm oh, putting my, you out. Oh, Jesus. That <laughs> I is love it. so... Well, you think about Josh thinks, this is his life. He thinks about this all the time. The people who are caring for him or even his friends, they're doing a million other things. And so we get this news. I'm actually kind of, this is, uh, I'm, everything you've said is now like, I, the lights are going on for me. You know, when everyone's like so shocked and what did you do and what did you feel? You're like, 
this is how it goes. Like this is we get the we get the joy of yeah. watching this experience, and even the the nurses and doctors who do this all the time. But they're like, "Isn't this great?" And he's like, "Yes." Yeah, so let's go. This is weird, but kind of like you know, whenever I'm playing a basketball game or a football game, I don't get nervous, I don't get excited. Yeah. But if I'm watching it, then I get nervous and I get excited. Absolutely, you're in the you're in the game, so it's kind of hard to like jump for joy or feel you know. Let's get know. it done. Let's. Well, I think I think the sentiment with with her, because um, I had a, um, a conversation with a couple other nurses going into this is that most people are just, and I, and I get it, I probably was the same way the first time I went through this, you know, just scared about not sure what the, what's going to happen, uh, the outcome, what's, what's afterwards, how's it going to feel, you know, all, you know, there's just so many things going through your head uh, about the aftermath. Uh, but having known that and mm-hmm. just knowing what, what I'm going to wake up to and what I'm going to have to deal with, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, this is just another part of the process. I'm ready to just start ticking them off. Let's go. I decided that I'm never going to be a doctor, but if I was, I'd always want to like deliver babies because it's all good news. I would also like to be in this business. Transplant doctor? Where you're like saving somebody's life, I guess. Um, so is a surgery what? A half hour? Five hours? What's the deal? I think it's about four, God. four hours or so. And do they really carry the kidney in a cooler, like a regular igloo cooler? Or you I never saw it, but I'm I, I, something like that. I know they put it on ice somehow. I, I'm, I'm almost certain it's got to be in a cooler. Yeah. Uh, because because I remember talking to you on Monday. I said, how are you going to get a surgery tomorrow morning if this woman is in California? And he's like, They Duh. fly it in. They'll fly it in. I'm like, right. oh, yeah, that's right. This is a big deal. <laughs> they will put this on a plane and FedEx. get it here. Yeah, yeah. they're going to fly it in. <laughs> So then what was the next morning like? So you wake up after it's done, and then what, what do you feel like? You know, I, I, you know, I really don't recall a whole lot um, uh, coming off a lot of uh, anesthesia and stuff like that. But I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell you what, Zach, who's a good friend of ours, uh, who, is, who was one of the first ones to see me at the hospital, um, you know, I had a really hard time just moving you know, like, cause you, you get a little bit of nausea, you get a little, you have some feelings, you know, all this medications and stuff wearing off and all these kind of things. And, you know, just to try to bend over in case if, if I felt like I needed to use the bucket or something, right. I just could barely move. And I know Zach had mentioned that a few times to me, like, I just, I don't get it. I mean, you, you were, you know, at that point where you could barely move, you could barely even wrench your neck and you, know, you just looked like you were just completely, you know, in such pain. And yet, you're talking to me so calmly and just so like matter of factly. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, it's one of these things where I I know what I had to deal with for two days. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You weren't really fighting the inevitable. Like this is where I am. This is part of the process. And, you know, again, I think people who have dealt with medical issues, your tolerance and your ability to manage mentally and physically is different. Don't you think that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So how do they tell whether or not the surgery was a success? Well, uh, I guess it kind of depends really. Like the first time, and I, and I'm not sure if I mentioned this in the last podcast or not, but when they hooked me up with my sisters, they said, uh, it just started like my, uh, urethra was like a, like a hose. Everything just, you know, just started peeing all over the place. Yeah. It was a, an immediate connection. Which is a good thing. It's a great thing. Yeah. It just means it's immediately working. And then it's just a matter of managing meds and making sure, you know, all these other things are going well. For this one, 
it, it's, it, there's a thing called a sleeping kidney where, uh, they hook it up, um, and it might take a while for it to really kick in. Mm -hmm. So they'll, they'll have you on dialysis for a little bit while it's still waking up. And the reason they knew this was going to be, it might take a little bit longer for this one to wake up is because again, uh, they had to put it on ice and it was actually on ice a little bit longer than they wanted to. So no big deal. It just means, you know, it's a lot colder. So it's going to take a little bit longer to kind of thaw mm -hmm. out, so to speak. And Versus your sister's in one operating room, you're in the other, and it goes from her body to your body yes. within minutes. Living donor, yeah. It's, yeah. it's warm. It's, mm -hmm. yeah. It's, yeah it's, so, um, so, I mean, these are some of the best, uh, I know Northwestern's one of the top hospitals uh, in the world when it comes to kidney transplants. So, uh, um, so I'm sure they know what they're doing. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what is, what's the, what's the fallout? Like how, how has your kidney, your new kidney been functioning since last week? Everything's been going really well. I mean, um, there's really been no complications, no really setbacks. Um, it's just a matter of, again, um, managing the medications or the uh, immunosuppressant drugs and all those kind of things and trying to, I, every time they come in and they are like, hey, are you taking such and I mean, the, the names of these drugs? I have no idea. And I'm just like, look, if it's on the sheet, you know, I'm yeah. taking it, you know, that's all yeah. I can tell you. But, um, but no, everything has been really, really well. I mean, uh, I've been just as maybe a little surprised, but Again, um, I've been able to get up and walk pretty quickly and move around really well and, um, you know, just start the healing process. So are you doing dialysis right now or what? I did one session of dialysis on Friday. Um, and then I was, and they don't clean any fluids or anything. They're just, you know, just kind of help with the, get, get a few levels of like potassium and, and these things down. Um, I was supposed to have it again on Monday, but uh, I went in for a quick visit and they said, you're not going to need it tonight. But uh, that's always still on the table um, just while it's kind of continuing to wake up because it might take a full month or so for it to really yeah. kick in. So so have you peed? Well, yes. Yes. Because I, I hesitate because I just had um, the Foley taken out on Monday. I don't know what that is. The catheter. Oh, yummy. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. All right. So that process is just beginning. So we're just starting out. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. Um, what else is I going to ask? I don't remember. Well, tell it. Say what you were just saying to us upstairs about um, the pain medication. <laughs> well, part of my visit yesterday was meeting with the pharmacists, and uh, you know they go through the list of medications just to make sure they, in case they want to change anything or whatever. And a couple of the medications were pain medications. And uh, she goes, so how much of this pain medication have you taken? I said, zero. And she goes, have you taken any pain medication? I go, no. She goes, ibuprofen, Tylenol, Advil? I go, no. And she just kind of like like looking at me really strange, like, are you nuts? What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, But she just kind of put her head down, kind of shook her head and went on to the next so one. So why haven't you taken that? You've well, been in pain. It, well, I, I've been in pain, but it's been manageable pain, to be honest with you. I'm not trying to be Mr. Tough Guy and be like, I'm not going to take any meds no matter what. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I will if I need to, but it hasn't been so horribly bad that I can't, you know, a kind that I can't deal with. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you know, my idea in taking unnecessary yes. drugs anyway. So yes. if it's if it's not absolutely necessary, then I'm not going to worry about it. So. Got it. Awesome. Go ahead. Well, no, no, I was I, I was kind of laughing because yesterday I kind of had a headache and I took a nap. 
and I was I took Advil and like and I have no problem with that. But when when uh, Josh was saying that upstairs, it just kind of made me laugh because again, it's like expectations and tolerances. Like I have, um, I I totally appreciate and respect what you're saying, and I really believe that you have built up a sense of knowing your body so well. I mean, you've had to, like you said, you've been taking care of it to get to this point that you know what it's doing, you understand it and you trust it. And again, which sounds crazy considering that, you know, your kidneys failed when you were in your early thirties to say you trust your body. But would you say that now that you trust what your body's doing and you understand it so much better than you did before? Oh, without a question. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's been, uh, I think one of the, um, benefits is the words come to mind, but that's not what I want to say. It's what, it's one of the things it's, I guess this process has really taught me is, you know, how to take better care of myself and how to really understand myself and my body and those kind of things. So, you know, like like I've always said, you know, as much as I'd never want to go through this 13 years again, there's so much that I have learned about myself and that it have been positive outcomes of it. And, you know, that's definitely been one of them. You know, yes. on Tuesday we did a podcast about telling your story and narrating your own story. And a lot of times the way that we tell our stories, especially when we have challenging events, is through, can you believe this happened to me or why me or I've had a really – Yeah. And, and we've all – you know, but that – what you just said is exactly what we're talking about is that um, even in the most challenging situations that can feel really medically dire – Look, you know, just for you to be able to say, look how much I've learned or look at the people I've met or what I've tapped into. That's amazing. Yeah. So if you look at Josh's left arm, it, he you have a port in there, right? So fistula, yeah. yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah, so, same, same idea. But. And it's, uh, so are you going to keep that thing in? Well, all it is is, is an artery, they connect an artery and a vein and it basically just blows up the bla- uh, vein a, uh, quite a bit bigger just so you can put needles in. So, but yeah, for the time being, especially if, you know, this hasn't, I'm not completely out of the woods right now. You know, it's not like this is a done deal. Everything's good going forward. Yeah. There's still possible little hurdles here and there. And one of those is, you know, staying on dialysis here and there just to get some levels down in case, you know, things need to be changed or whatever. So that'll stay in. I mean, th- that's not going to ever be taken out until it fails on its own or whatever. Sure. So, um, so what type of support have you received as a result of, um, you know, just in the last week or so? Oh, Todd, if I could answer that question. Wow. (laughs) You know, in some ways it's been very overwhelming and just because if you know me as a person, I'm, I'm kind of a loner. I mean, I, I enjoy my alone time a lot. I mean, I still enjoy hanging out with people and stuff like that, but I kind of keep to myself and I don't, and I value relationships, but I value friendships that are very close. You know, I don't keep a lot of periphery type friendships and stuff like that. Um, and most of the people that have reached out to me are people, you know, I've re- had people reach out to me from my childhood, mm. uh, you know, teams that I've coached 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I mean, just so many people that, you know, you then you really start to, I guess, put some perspective on your life of maybe I have had a little bit of impact on people, you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Well, I mean, I guess it's, you know, it's just one of those things you don't really you'd like to think you are, but you're not really sure sometimes. Um, but in moments like this, when you. You know, when people do things that they don't have to and they haven't seen you for 10 or 15 years um, or even five years for, for that matter, um, it really 
um, brings a lot of perspective into your life. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I've had people bringing some food over. I've got uh, somebody coming over today and they're going to walk my dog and, you know, so I've, I've got that kind of thing set up uh, the next few days. And so, but, uh, and I think we mentioned this before, it's always been hard for me to, to accept yeah. um, any type of giving. And I've went into this time, you know, I, I think if you ever seen the movie Yes Man, where he just says yes to everything, yeah. that's kind of like what, what it's been like for me now. Like, Good. hey, Josh, can we do that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Come on over. You well, know? And that has taken work for you because you're hardwired for whatever reason to be independent and you can figure this out yourself and everything else. And this is basically the universe saying, dude, you can't do this all by yourself. And human beings want to help you. So give them the gift of allowing them to help you. So one thing that, um, so this all happened over Thanksgiving week. So I, because I'm co-founder of the tribe men's group, which Josh is a part of, I said, well, let's come up with some meal delivery thing. And then the idea just kind of organically unfolded into, you know, maybe just collecting some donations so he can use Uber Eats and get whatever he wants. Yeah. Like I reached out, we were getting women's circle involved too. And all the women wanted to help, but there was, they were like, where does he live? And we'll leave it at his door. And we'll, and I was like, this is going to get really complicated. Yeah. You know, like people like, you know, cause you live in an apartment. It's like, how are we going to make sure he gets what he needs? Right. <laughs> so, um, my sweetheart helped me, uh, create a GoFundMe page and I'm just going to read what we wrote together just so sure. people because we do invite anybody who's listening who's been impacted by josh's story to help josh but this is what we wrote josh st pierre's kidneys failed almost a decade ago it's now actually we, longer now ago. it's 13 yeah. years on monday he was told he would be receiving a kidney from a woman in california he had surgery on tuesday and will be leaving the hospital soon to recover at home he worked as much as he could while he lived on dialysis as a beloved soccer coach and uber driver and he made his physical health a priority so he would be ready for this transplant now is our opportunity to support him as he recovers and regains his life. Donations will go towards meals, dog walking, his dogs for his dog Sammy, who he adores and loved him through these difficult times. Is that true? Has Sammy loved you through these difficult times? Yes. Even though right now he's a little mad at me just because I haven't been paying as much attention and we don't get as much snuggle time together. But. <laughs> Sammy's like, where'd you go? Uh, and just overall living expenses and medical bills. Thank you for considering being a part of Josh's support team. We'll keep you posted on his recovery. Click here to tell his story. So anyways, um, so yeah, anything you want to say to anybody who has donated to you? No, again, th- this part of it has been incredibly overwhelming for me. I mean, I, 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 there's no way I expected anything near this. I'm not talking about really the dollar amounts I'm talking about just the, again, the sheer number of people that were willing to do it. And again, some people I haven't talked to in 15, 20 years that are willing to, you know, just say here, buddy, I'm, I'm here thinking about you. I'm here to support you. I did. Uh, I do want to share one quick story with you. Cause I, I talked to one person about this and someone I hadn't seen in about five years and we just happened to run into each other for whatever reason. And, uh, and he had donated a nice sum of money to me. And I didn't bring that, bring, bring it up to him, but he said, Josh, do you know, do you know why I wanted to donate to you? I said, I, I mean, you know, we were, uh, I coached your son, blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, it has nothing really to do with that. But, um, I guess I just thought about how you have spent your last 13 years being such a positive role model when you're going through such a hard time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just really want to thank you and admire you for, um, for being 
for, for coaching our kids, but for doing it in such a positive way, even though you've had even bigger battles to deal with. You know, I, I just respect in the fact that you were able to, to do it that way. So um, that's why I wanted to help you out. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, again, you talk about breaking down. I mean, I, I tried to hold it in so hard while he was telling me that, you know, you mm-hmm. try to be. But um, that was that meant so much to me to hear that. Well, and that goes to what you were saying about being an inspiration for people. It's sometimes when people put that word on you, I know it can sound heavy, like, yeah. oh. But what people are trying to say is that you reminded me of what's most important. You woke like it's actually like allowing people to support you and tell you those stories. Sometimes it even feels selfish telling you because what you've done through your life is you've allowed people to kind of wake up to their own life. And so you've given them this gift without even knowing it. And that's what he's trying to say. Like you, you had all these things that you were going through, yet you still coached my son in such a way that you reminded him of what was most valuable. You taught him things that you knew inherently when you could have been really angry Mm -hmm. and you weren't. And that's what, and a lot of people going, go around being angry because someone stole their parking space. You know what I mean? Like there's, there are reasons to be angry and there's not reasons to be angry and you chose a different path. So people like to support people like that. What's, we need a word for, and when I say like that, what I mean is people love to have people like you in the world Mm -hmm. because then you make us, uh, go higher Mm -hmm. than ourselves. Yeah. There's a, I'm trying to think of a good word for that. I mean, inspirational sometimes sounds too. It's used a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't have any words in that regard. It's just, uh, where I was going to go is that it's work to be able to accept gifts. Yes, it is. And I don't know. I just, I'm impressed with that part of your work because you are in fact doing these people who want to love and support you through comments or donations. You're doing them a favor and it's so easy, especially as a man to say, no, I could do it myself. And uh, I, I don't know, I'm just impressed that you've been able to get vulnerable, get soft, because you're a very hard guy. And I mean that with respect, but it's the truth. And you've softened up a little bit through this experience, at least from my perspective. Again, there's no question. I, you know, I, I've, I've been, I think, like you said, in protective mode for so long that I think once once that call came in, I mean, there's just so many things that felt, I mean, so many walls, it just seemed, I think, just kind of came down at that moment. Like, I don't have to, you know, protect myself. I can, you know, hopefully once this goes through, you know, all these things that I worry about and I think about all the time and prepare, and, you know, that part of my life can just be done, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I think that's, was kind of part of it, Yeah. you know? Um, but you, I know when you first asked me about the GoFundMe thing, um, you were, I think, a little hesitant because you weren't sure if that was something I really wanted, mm-hmm. right? And to be honest, it, it, in most circumstances, I probably, I probably wouldn't have said no, but I probably would have maybe vacillated on maybe or tried to find a compromise a different way. But the reason I, I accepted this uh, opportunity and this gift from you guys was because, you know, I, as I told you, I had some... Um, I. Part, part of the things that happened through losing the first kidney were some things, were, were some faults of my own, some mistakes I've gone through. And part of that is the financial is, you know, when you go through a big surgery like this, I mean, you're on lifetime medications, um, you're seeing doctors probably for the rest of your life, you know, on, on occasion after a while. But, you know, those 
bills, all, you know, you, you have Medicare, all these kind of things, but they last for three years and then you're kind of on your own. And as an independent soccer coach uh, and an Uber driver, the insurance opportunities, at least of now, aren't exactly great. Um, and then you have these medications that are just outrageously uh, expensive. Mm -hmm. Anyways, those start to weigh on your mind. Yeah. That financial responsibility, knowing what's coming, or even at the time, you know, just the little dribs and drabs, you know. Um, and that was part of my, um, part of what allowed you allowed me to fail uh, my first time. Yeah. So I knew this was an opportunity to kind of help relieve me of that part of it. Mm. Um, it had nothing to do with anything else, but going, you know, I I want to make sure I'm set up. Um, mm. to, to succeed in this next one, whatever that is. Yeah. And if this is part of that vehicle that can help me succeed through this next one, then I'll accept it. Mm. That's right. Finances are a piece of the puzzle. Absolutely. That's, we can't, you know, there's the emotional, there's the, you know, the support, there's walking the dog and feeding yourself every day. And then there's a the long term. It's, it's a piece of the puzzle with medical things. Yeah. So, so how does this new kidney, how has this changed your outlook for, say, 2019 or 2024 or whatever? Or is it, you know, same as usual? No, it's it's actually not same as usual. I've, I, I've had some some plans that uh, I wanted to move forward with that, that would maybe take me out of the States, you know, move, uh, move back out West or something, you know, over the next two or three years, um, you know, do some schooling, things I wanted to kind of, I, I think you get to a point in your life where you want to maybe just have a small transition. I don't want to completely get out of coaching, but maybe downsize a bit and try some other things. Um, but there's no doubt that, you know, with the dialysis and all these other things that, that, that kind of held that, that held me back on that. Not to, not to mention the amount of traveling I want to do. Um, so with good, this going forward over the next, you know, two or three years, I've got a couple of ideas I want to start implementing and, you know, start moving forward with a, maybe a different chapter in my life for sure. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I, I asked all the questions I had. Do you have anything, my darling? Well, you were going to say, and you may have already done this in the process of this conversation, but I know you were going to say some people or some organizations or some support systems that you want to make sure you acknowledged. Well, yeah. And th this this is going to take a couple of minutes. But, sure. and, you know, before I say this, uh, there's going to be so many people I'd leave out of this. I mean, there's been so many people that have been a huge, important part of my life over the last 13 years, um, you know, when I think back about this and, you know, people always would tell me and, and I felt proud about it that they'd say, you, you're just so strong with this. You're, I can't believe how, how, uh, how your mindset is with this and how you, you know, you tackle this and how you deal with this. And, and I appreciate the sentiments, but the, the reality is I've had so many great people in my life along the way that have been cornerstones that have been emotional supports and maybe they didn't even know it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just wanted to take a few minutes to kind of acknowledge some of those real cornerstone people and organizations that I've been part of that uh, to let them know that, you know, you've had an instrumental part of helping me through this process, whether you believe it or not. Um, you know, and when this first when this first happened, I was coaching at uh, Pius High School in Lincoln, Nebraska, and um, my really good friend at the time, who, who was my co-coach, Jeremy Eckler, um, between him, uh, John Colborn, who was an assistant, and, and Scott Sheffield, who uh, was one of our other, other assistants at the time. You know, we coached together for like four or five years there. Um, you know, they were such huge instrumental supports for me at the time going through it initially. 
Um, again, I, it's not that I ever talked with these people about my conditions or anything like that, but I guess it's just how they treated me. I mean, I wanted to be, you know, treated as just a regular, regular person. I didn't want, I didn't want my, my ailment to define me and they didn't allow that to be brought up all the time and all those kind of things. So, um, but then, you know, all the, the girls on that team, uh, they all know who they are, um, you know, they were such champions and it, it inspired me so much to, as a coach, to, to be able to coach those teams, to really understand what it was, um, to, to see what competitive, um, young soccer players were like. It was just a great environment to really, to really be in, you know, from there, uh, I also coached at a club there, Kevin Caniglio, who became one of my really closest friends, you know, was one of those who, would tell me when I'm wrong, you know, and kind of shine light in my, my face every now and then, which, which I always needed. I think everybody needs every now and then, um, but was a, a great confident when I needed him. You know, there was, um, I eventually went on to St. Xavier University here in Chicago. And again, I met up with Jeremy Eckler and um, that's actually the first time I had my first surgery when I, when I was coaching there. I, uh, and Jeremy Eckler, I know, probably arranged most of this, but all the girls on that team and girls from prior past and everything had written me so many letters. It took me a good half of the day to read most of them uh, during, right after that surgery, and uh, it really propped me up a lot. Um, and from there, you know, the last, you know, I've been uh, at a bunch of different clubs here in Chicago, whether it was um, Joga Benito and Downers Grove, um, whether it was Evolution here in Naperville. Um, I'm currently the Grange Celtics and um, the Kicks Soccer Club downtown. But, and then uh, Team Elmer Soccer Club was when I kind of was a five-year period where I went through you know, the, the losing of the kidney mm. and um, that kidney failure and all that kind of stuff. And it was right in the middle of that when a lot of, um, a lot of these uh, coaches and stuff had to witness that I had some amazing parents who actually probably saved my life, to be honest with you, because I, as stubborn as I am, uh, I was really sick at the time for like two weeks and parents kept going, you just don't look good. And I'm like, I'll be fine, you know, kind of thing. And two parents, Liz Hickman, um, they kidnapped me and took me to the emergency room mm -hmm. and they, you know, cause I, I honestly could have had a heart attack at any moment. Mm -hmm. So if they wouldn't have done that, you know, who knows what have been, been of me at this point. But, um, Karsten Roy was, um, the, the director of coaching for that club is the director of coaching that club. And he, he, he was like another father figure to me, to be honest with you. I mean, he was such, he is such a great guy and such a great friend and, you know, he, he treated you first and foremost as a person, which I absolutely loved and respected of the guy. And I, I, I've never, I don't think really expressed how much he's met. He meant to me during the, those times and stuff to, uh, I mean, he went way above and beyond what he needed to, to make sure I was comfortable, to make sure, you know, I, that when I went through the things I needed, I, I got what I needed. And, you know, all the parents, you know, I, again, I can sit here for, for a half an hour and give names after name after name, but, you know, I've, I've made so many great connections through those years of, of being at those clubs and those soccer clubs and those people that um, it 
it really helped me emotionally get through all of this the way I did, you know, and then, you know, I just want to mention my, my really good friend, John Javits, who's a chiropractor here in Elmhurst, uh, him and I became really good friends at, uh, uh, while I was at the team Elmer soccer club. And he is one of those guys that just, you really want to emulate. I mean, he, he treats everybody at such a high, I mean, I can't really even express to you. I, he can sit there and give you the biography of almost every person he ever runs across. I don't know if half of it is true or not, <laughs> but he at least says it to a point where he convinces you. Mm-hmm. But I mean, everybody loves this guy, you know, and you can, he's just got an aura about him and a spark. And I feel so blessed that he chose me to be such a good friend and confident, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, I, I can't go through this without mentioning the, the tribes, uh, the tribe men's group mm. uh, that you and Frank have started, Todd. I mean, that's that obviously I came into it at a very difficult time and um, I don't make as many tribe meetings as I want to just because our schedules don't uh, meet up as, as well as it should with soccer. But, you know, going to the tribe retreats and just being able to meet so many of these guys uh, that I have so much respect for. And again, I don't know how much they know that just because I don't express it as well as I, as I should. But, you know, I've met so many great people through, um, through the men's group as well. Again, I, I could not be here right now. And again, I am missing so many people and there's, there's so many people going, why aren't you mentioning my name? <laughs> I swear, cause this is going through my head at a million miles an hour. And when I rehearsed this, I think this conversation took 10 minutes, but now I think it's down to three. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm missing a lot of people, mm-hmm. but just, just understand that I, if, if, because I, I don't connect really well initially, I'm a very Goddard person. And if, if I took up any time into your life beyond the soccer field or into a personal uh, connection with you, it means that that I had a lot of respect for you. It means that I had a lot of love for you. Um, and it meant that I trusted you a lot. Mm. So, um, I just want to take that. Oh, one, one last thing before I forget, there is one other group that I, I think was, was really important to me as well. Um, and that's, uh, as I, as, as you know, I did CrossFit for a number of years and the last few years I was at, uh, down at CrossFit Amplify with, uh, I spent a lot of time in boot camp, which was um, mainly a lot of uh, young ladies. I was going to say that's women, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, when I first, st- when I transitioned over to from regular CrossFit, which is basically includes a lot of Olympic lifts and then cardio, and then you go into boot camp, which just basically takes away the Olympic lifts. My body was just hurting. I just couldn't do the Olympics for a while. And I was coming off, of, I think, a surgery or something anyways. So I just needed to kind of tone it down. And well, I, that's what I thought was going to tone it down. And it, I thought I was just going to go in there and just kind of breeze through, maybe do some, you know, a couple push-ups, a couple yeah. sit-ups here, boot camp. All right. Uh, no, it was nothing like that. It was an absolute great experience. It was uh, incredibly difficult, but I was just so inspired by these, by these women that, you know, were just doing these incredible things. And, uh, and Brittany, you probably pushed me way too hard at times, but <laughs> I forgive you. Um, but yeah, again, uh, th- all those people know who they are. Um, that whole gym I, I, I was part of for three years. And the reason I mention them is because, you know, that physical part of it was, was so important for me. And, you know, they, they pushed me, they challenged me, but 
you know, they tried to, uh, tried to show me where my limits were, even though I didn't listen very well. Mm. So, um, well, you're going to have plenty of, uh, opportunities to, um, express gratitude to the tribe because one, you'll be at the meeting on Thursday night, which was actually last night when this posts, and then you're going to be at the retreat. So I might push you to get vulnerable and open up a little bit more. Yeah. So be ready. Um, you know, I, as, as you're mentioning this to me, I am realizing I forgot maybe just a couple of really important people that I should at least um, recognize because uh, I think I went ahead too quickly. Um, there's no doubt that my biggest supporters, and I am very fortunate that, you know, my mom, my dad, my sister, her husband, Calvin, and my niece and nephew have have pulled me through this so much. I mean, obviously, Misty, my sister, who, you know, did what she did. But, you know, when you go through moments that you're, um, when you're feeling upset or down or whatever, and you have thoughts, there are things that can pull you away from that. And I think you know, having such strong love for your family and such strong support. I mean, obviously, like, just to give you an example, I mean, as soon as I call, my parents are like, should we start driving now? Should we start driving now? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they, they're ready to go at a heartbeat. You know, when they left, they're like, do you want me to stay any longer? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, your parents, you know, you're like, no. <laughs> no, we're good now. We're good. <laughs> no, but no, I mean, they, they come from a very genuine, they're very sincere people. And, you know, I, and obviously my sister was calling um, constantly trying to give updates and then I, I do, I just, I, and then I guess I want to mention Tracy Pepin, who's, uh, who's a cousin that I just really reconnected with just a few years ago. I mean, I haven't, we haven't talked, we hadn't done anything for a number of years. And when she found out I needed a kidney, she was the first one to say, what do I do? You know, let's get tested. And she has been a huge advocate, um, you know, posting and just, uh, not just for my, myself, but for, for donor, um, for donors just in general, you know, the importance of donating. So, mm. And did you mention, uh, so because Josh drives Uber, we um, we drive the airport together. You're always talking about your best buddy that you want to travel with. Did you mention his name, the guy that you travel with this summer? Tracy. Tracy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, Tracy and I, I mean, we, we've, uh, he's been my travel buddy. He's, he's the guy we, you know, we, he's a very busy guy. He's always on the road. He's always doing his business, but, you know, we try to, get together once. Well, you had a wedding this summer and you had to like, you know, somebody who's on dialysis has to really think ahead before they travel. And I remember you're going to this place to, you know, get dialysis here. And, you know, it's just a lot to think think about. Hopefully you won't have to think much about that more. That's the hope. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and who else do you want to thank? Um, well, I think I think, I mean, there's probably a thousand people I left off of my thank list, but I guess I do want to end by kind of saying that, uh, more of, I guess, of a PSA, just how important it is to to look at being a donor. And and I say that, I know because I'm in my situation, but whether it's, you know, put it on the back of your, um, on, on your will or on your driver's license or, you know, even thinking about being a living donor, I, I, I don't know. Look, I've probably over the past few years talked to many people at least over 100, who have been a living donor. And I can tell you for a fact that not one of them, one, ever regretted it, and everything, every single person told me they would do it again in a heartbeat. And I, when I think about why that is, you know, as, as human beings, the one thing we want to do is help others. It's, I think it's just a natural 
innate uh, trait in all of us. We want to help others. We get joy from helping others. And there's no greater gift you can give to somebody than life. You know, and I was telling Todd and Kathy this that earlier that, you know, this this lady maybe just on a spur of the moment said, you know, hey, I want to be a donor. Um, or at the DMV, was standing in line at the DMV and they said, you want to be a donor? And she said, sure. Whatever the case may be, that one decision she made pretty much saved my life or at least gave my life much greater value going forward um, in this one in a million chance. And, you know, there's all these stories of even people passing away at an early age or whatever happened, something tragic, and they're able to save seven or eight people uh, with their organs. Um, so there's so much that if, if you would, I guess I'm trying to stumble here, but there are so many more um, kidney uh, dialysis centers that are opening up across the country. They're opening up faster than faster than you can believe. So there's so much need for these things. And there's so many people I think that can help that maybe are just unsure of what to do or what the process is and stuff. And um, that's a supply I, and demand issue. There's a, a lot of demand and not as a lot of supply. There's not at all. And there's so many easy ways to go about it. Um, and again, I'm not saying in any ways that it's easy. I, going through surgery is not an easy decision to make. But um, it's probably one of the most valuable things you could probably do, to be honest. What's the website? We talked about it in the first podcast. Isn't it like a findthematch.com or something like that? Do you remember what that was? I don't off the top we'll of my head. We'll look it up on the – I have it in the show notes of the original podcast. We'll put that up there as well. If you are interested in um, being a, a live donor, um, that we'll put a link up and allow you to, to at least have the resources to be able to pursue that. So, um, okay. Great. Thank you. Yep. You know what I decided I want to do? What's that? Sweetie? I want to take a podcast where I get to thank everybody yeah. for like because that was so beautiful, and I just loved listening to that. And I love hearing people's names and how um, it just probably feels so good to be able to just say to everybody, "You impacted my life." Um, so I, I like want to tape something and like tuck it away. Well, and that's what's uh, you know at the Academy Awards you get like twenty two seconds, right? To and, thank but everybody you're like in, your life. in a nutty place yeah. of mind, and you can't. And I know everybody leaves that stage going, "I did it wrong." Yeah, right, right. You know? I should have mentioned this person. Totally. I know I got to mention this person, yeah. and I'm going to feel the same way as soon as I leave here. You I'll are. probably have to be sending about 30 texts out. Like, <laughs> look, when this podcast comes out, I, I totally. Right. I dropped the ball. Yeah. I, I had you in my uh, initial statement when I rehearsed a couple nights ago, but. It was somehow. your Academy Awards speech. <laughs> say, I'm sorry I was on the air. Well, edge. what I would say to those people is give me a break. I just got a new kid. So <laughs> I'm not quite myself yet. So, I mean, the other, last thing before we close is he looks good, doesn't oh, he? Oh, my gosh. So healthy. Yeah. So yes. good. So good energy. Huge surgery. Less than I guess a week ago today, and you look outstanding. Thank and you. that's on the outside. I just can only imagine what's going on in the inside and the emotion and all that. So, Josh St. Pierre, you are the man. Um, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for this opportunity. It's been it's been fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, be good. Catch us next Tuesday for Zen Parenting Radio. I don't know what we're going to talk about. We'll figure it out then. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's 25 bucks a month where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions. If you can't join us live, don't worry. You can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. 
You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page, and get discounts on everything that we offer. Get your tickets for our annual Zen Parenting Conference on March 8th and 9th, 2019. Sweet. Get your brave on with Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambeck, Julie Lithcott-Hames, and Devorah Heitner, and enjoy a weekend in a warm and friendly environment of like-minded people. Tickets are available at zenparentingradio.com. Sweetie, it's going to be off the hook. I know. Um, interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. They're not your three books. Well, your three books. Thank you. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the support us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Um, guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? Good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, FaceTime, you choose. If you're in Chicago, contact me about the tribe. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. And don't forget about our 2019 Unplug, Connect, and Transform Retreat. More, more on that later. Special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft, from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support, Jeremy. Sweetie, he's a bald head of beauty. I know this. All right, everybody, keep trucking. See you next week. Adios. <laughs>